On this week's Big Tech Show, when you travel, how do you avoid getting completely ripped off on roaming charges outside of Europe? And what are some of the travel hacks you should know about that aren't included in the tech you buy? We give you all the tips you need to know. On top of my list, Adrian, is my noise-cancelling headphones. When I put them on, I love that it just goes boom, and you're in this kind of sonic bubble and you can't hear the baby and you can't hear that weird frequency of the aircon on the airplane. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Schachten, an indo askelige. Lower and once you're in a Donald Donaldson Lish and if I got shin I can near lower Jeffrey the the Dinyerby. Me head will policy shock on Ian Modiano and a viral start of her Lishna Bodge Bugger shoot. Skilty Fis Turmi. Nimajigiri and drama honyal ama Tamajigiri Munchen Honyalista. Shachtan. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GA podcast in association with Allianz. I'm Will Slattery and I'm delighted to be joined in studio for the first time in weeks by my co-host Michael Verney. Looking refreshed, looking like you've recharged the batteries after a couple of weeks away. My pockets definitely aren't refreshed after Cheltenham. Oh, <laughs> anyway, no, no, definitely no, yeah. not. No. But uh, yeah, no, great, great to be back, yeah. Loads of uh, busy weekend of action and sure great like the triple header up in Crow Park's gonna be gonna be brilliant this weekend your, as well. Your best Cheltenham story yeah, off the top of your head, you have any? Oh no, it was a bit of a disaster. I wore shoes on the Wednesday that I'd worn a couple of times now, but they absolutely ripped the heels off me. <laughs> and by the time I got to Friday, no joke, my leg my, my right leg was actually throbbing. There was like a blister literally the size of my forehead nearly on the on my heel. <laughs> and it was just my legs were throbbing, the pain of it, I could barely walk. Be, so you sacrificed comfort for style? I did, I did, well, yeah, I won't be doing it again anyway, to be honest with you. I'd be nearly, nearly wear a nice little pair of flat shoes with no heel on them at all or Would whatever. Would it not be genuine to wear Wellington boots around you, you know, going around in the muck and, you know? Yeah, barber boots, yeah, barber <laughs> like boots. That, like be, kind of a stately land, like Downton Abbey, kind of stately Yeah, land I actually walked kind of the track on Friday like, like an idiot, to be honest with you. I was hardly able to walk, so I ended up standing out with my shoes and walking on my heels, basically, yeah. But it was worth it, actually, to walk around the track. It was phenomenal. Hard to appreciate just how up and down it is until you go around there yeah um but yeah no it was a, it was a, it was a great week it's a tough week work wise and you're working fairly flout nine to nine in the morning till ten at night but sure, it's great it's great to be there um, we on holidays as well afterwards or have you just been not just took, just, took, just took a week off to be honest with you just took a week off and did a bit of farming at home that was all oh then no nothing other than that no not not really farming and a, and a bit of training sure what more would you be asked which was grand now well great to have you back my mother was very worried where's michael Verney? i listened this week wasn't <laughs> she was i worried. listened again where's yeah. michael Verney? her favorite throwing co-host i've been relegated to number two but we have a big event this Friday the throw-in is going big time with Allianz we're going global we're going yeah well yeah no. why, why not why not the Croke Park Hotel this Friday at 6.30 myself and Michael will be joined by Joe Brawley and James O'Connor for a special bumper throw-in league final preview if you want to inquire about tickets you can go to www.independent.ie forward slash the throw-in live 
exciting times for the Throne podcast. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm ex- expecting loads of groupies and different things hanging around as well. It's the first time, like, we're <laughs> just we're, on we're just voices at the moment. Exactly. Like, when people see us, they would hope to be. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, oh god, I don't know about that. That might my, our, our listenership might take a plunge. I'm just particularly interested, given how much you dressed up for our photo call a few weeks ago, you know, with your floral shirt. What are you going to be wearing to this live podcast? A top hat, a kerchief, a cummerbund, maybe? Uh, a cummerbund. <laughs> Jeez, I haven't heard that one in a while. Maybe like a sweater vest a la Chandler Bing or something like that maybe. <laughs> maybe something like that I definitely won't be wearing fancy shoes anyway I can guarantee you that I'll be a little bit around uh, are you looking forward to our live show are you nervous are you, are you excited no it's it's grand sure you're talking about GA like it's 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 grand in fairness it's um Two, two cracking finals and even the Camogie final in Crow Park at the weekend no I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'd be nervous now and it's nervous maybe trying to get a word in with uh, with Mr. Brawley on stage Brawley, as well yeah, yeah no well uh, the, having him in in the flesh will be interesting it's all been over the phone so far so maybe it'd be a bit easier to, to referee and police that maybe so yeah no it should be good, should be good fun yeah to encourage people to be there It's there's so much kind of action to preview it should be uh, should be a good old event yeah and of course obviously we're in a hotel and there's a bar so there might be the possibility of beverages or something after maybe as well so. <laughs> yeah yeah with Michael's buying with all his channel and winnings <laughs> <laughs> well on that note we'll kick off our, our lead chat we'd like to be joined in studio by uh, Frank Roach of the Herald and on the line by John Milan Waterford legend Frank, we'll start off with the game you were at at Nolan Park, uh, Dublin versus Limerick. Um, Limerick got a three-point win, and it's been an interesting reaction. Eddie Brennan, uh, former Kilkenny hurler and leash manager on Twitter, calling it a very ugly spectacle, Dublin clogging up the middle third to uh, to frustrate Limerick, I guess. They they came out with an, a narrow defeat, but, but what did you make of the game overall and the criticism? I wouldn't say it was ugly to watch. I'd say it was boring enough to watch, is the way I'd put it. it was, you were waiting and waiting for a game of hurling to break out yesterday, and it never really did. Now, there's been a lot of reaction about Dublin's use of uh, Sean Moran as a sweeper, as if, you know, Matty Kenny concocted the idea, you know, yesterday morning on his way down to Nolan Park. Dublin have been using Moran, not in every game, or maybe not so obviously as that, but as a sweeper, going back to Parnell Park against Kilkenny last May. And That's the, his natural kind of role, isn't it? Like, it yeah. It's what he's been doing. Mm. And even, uh, I was at the Dublin-Galway uh, league match in Pier Stadium last month, and for quite a bit of the opening half, definitely, I remember taking note, you know, Moran is the free man. That's what they tend to do. Now, sometimes they're playing against five forwards. Other times they're playing against uh, six forwards and they have seven men back. They definitely did try to, um, you know, put a handbrake on Limerick's, Limerick's attacking momentum yesterday. And I suppose people are complaining to an extent because they were playing with the wind. It was a good, strong breeze yesterday. It wasn't a... It wasn't a I wouldn't say it was an eight or nine point win or anything close to that. But, you know, instead of maybe pushing up on Limerick, you know, trying to establish a clear lead, they didn't They didn't do that. But there, there are other factors in fairness in play. In the first 25 minutes, Dublin lost four players to injury. Three, three of their players picked up ankle injuries, didn't come back. Dara Gray, who had actually was at midfield for the throw-in, quickly moved back to centre-back. Uh, on Kyle Hayes allowing Moran to sort of play in that free role he got a I think he got a, a hurl through the face guard um, there was blood injury went off after 14 minutes and didn't come back until half time so like Dublin were were juggling their resources right through that first half Matty Kenny had emptied his bench I think by 50 minutes or so in uh, before Limerick had made a substitution so you know it wasn't easy Ushin O'Rourke has been the top scorer from play he was going to be one of the two men inside he came off he was first gone after 10 or 11 minutes. So it was very hard for probably Dublin to establish momentum either, barred through Danny Sutcliffe and Eamon Dillon, 
who, you know, caused the Limerick half back line a lot of trouble in the first half. But, you know, after all the efforts were a point down, you kind of sensed that Limerick were probably going to push on and they eventually did and won more convincingly than the three-point margin would suggest. Yeah, Michael, what's your take on the reaction, I guess, and Dublin's approach? Was it the best way of going about getting a job done yesterday? Yeah, Brendan Cummins made a, a fair point last night. Like, after beating Tipperary and being on a high after such a big win, it's a, Matty Kenny was probably fairly cognizant of the fact that they didn't want to finish the league after a heavy defeat. So he made sure that they were competitive and they obviously were very competitive. The talk on, on the, the game and kind of maybe some of the con- commentary around it and the negative talk around it, like between the 245s is always packed now in Hurling at the moment. Maybe well, it was a bit more like, what, what, what's, what's so different to what a lot of teams are doing? Like why, why do you think people were focusing in on Dublin? Because a lot of teams, as you say, do kind of pack that middle third now. Well, Limerick do it themselves. Galway do it. Kilkenny have been doing it for years as well. I, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I suppose people are kind of, people are hoping that ev- that every game, every hurling game is going to be this big barn burner and, you know, two teams putting up outrageous scores and loads of goal chances. But it, it doesn't really work like that. I think Matty Kenny was smart enough to make it as competitive as he possibly could for his own side. Like, they're going into the Leinster Championship full of optimism now. It's funny, um, just on that team of, you know, everyone wants the games to be really exciting now, Frank, because I was re- interesting reading Gerlach Nan's column today. He said that he thinks the standard of the league has been desperate. That issue of clogging up the middle third, he thinks, you know, fills him with dread ahead of the championship. He's worried that this kind of style could be adopted by more teams in a bid to maybe frustrate Limerick more than anyone else. Um, I don't know, yeah, having seen your, you know, your fresh air league matches this year, what, what, you, what you make of that comment? Yeah, I've probably seen more... F- Football league matches than hurling matches, so I mightn't be able to give a definitive one. But there is the kind of the fact that for for lots of the leagues so far, there's been a question mark of how much does it really matter, because there is one league in the in hurling, and that's the round robin series, and that's the one that really counts. And and you know several of the heavy hitters, uh, especially in Munster like Waterford and Tipperary, got dumped out last year when they would have been among the top four candidates for for the Lee McCarthy. So you get an impression that a lot of teams are treating the league with a little bit of there's a kind of government health warning attached to it in, in a way. But it's been more competitive than I think than people thought. It's been competitive. Yeah, it probably has. You, you know, know, like I, people I, thought people were just, the teams were just going to disregard the league and that definitely hasn't No, happened. I don't think it has. And matches take on a, a kind of life of their own as well. But maybe it's a reaction too to the, the fact that we had several shootouts last summer and they were great to watch and we loved them all. But people are saying, hold on, that's not doing us any good here. You know, but like Dublin haven't, I don't think they've notably changed their setup compared to how they were under Pat Gilroy mm. as well. I mean, Pat Gilroy came in with, with an idea of, I need to kind of shore up Dublin, first of all, make us as competitive as hell because they weren't that uh, for certainly for the last two years under Gerard Cunningham. Um, and like Matty, Matty Kenny himself has used Sean Moore in that role. It's not, you know, it's there's nothing earth-shatteringly new here. I think the bigger issue is that Dublin... Dublin's strength most definitely is in their defence. Owen O'Donnell uh, is arguably the best fullback in the country, maybe behind Dahi Burke is, is that man. But like in terms of what we've seen in the league again this year, Owen O'Donnell has definitely reinforced that. They've got uh, some really uh, impressive ball winners across the half-back line. Paddy Smith, the cornerback, is getting better and better uh, as he gets used to that position in the Dublin defence. Keno Callan has to come back from injury. They're very well set up there. Um, their midfield has been, it's been a bit of a, I think they're still struggling to hit on their ideal partnership there. And up front, there is a question mark about whether they have enough, uh, you know, 
like it was mentioned last night on League Sunday, they still don't have a marquee forward. Mm. You know, Danny Sutcliffe has had a very good league, better league this year than he had last year since coming back. Uh, Eamon Dillon is a very good performer, but they're still wondering and waiting, you know, is Connell Keeney going to be the answer coming back at 35 or 36? Is Mark Shooter going to be match fit and flying? You know, there is a question mark about, and that's, you know, Matty Kennedy is probably, you know, cutting his cloth to an extent too. Yeah, I'll bring in John Milan on the line now. John, what did you make of uh, yesterday's game, the, the win for Limerick? Well, first of all, I'd actually applaud Matty Kenny for how he, how he set up his side. I thought for 50 minutes of that game, I thought Dublin were excellent. Now, look, when you go into, when, when you are facing Limerick, it's, it's well known that, you know, they get numbers, they get a lot of numbers, try to get more numbers than the opposition out around the middle third. They work the ball in, and then they work it inside, then into 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 the space for the for for their inside full forward line. Now, if you're Maddie Kenny, yesterday, you're trying to counteract that. You're saying, right, we got to get bodies out around the middle third, and what he done then is that he had to get an extra body then back in front of his own uh, full back line to protect that space that Limerick are so good at, at, at creating. Now, look, Maddie Kenny, he's been down this road before. He's used this system. Uh, with Cooler and, 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 and as Frank alluded to up in uh, the, the, the Galway Dublin game I, I was actually at that game and uh, you know they used Sean Moore in that first half in that sitting in front of the pocket now he wasn't an out and out sweeper uh, that day against Galway but throughout the course of the league they've been using different different type of systems throughout, throughout the course of the league and throughout the course of games where they've gone with two men inside, sometimes uh, one inside. It's similar to the way Ward for the war under Derek McGrath. Sometimes they play four out and a half forward. But yesterday, I'd applaud Maddie Kenny for what he, for, for what he done. He went with, with with the sweeper because he had to cut out that space in front of the Limerick full forward line. And he had to clog up that middle third where Limerick have been bossing games and, 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 and bossing opponents. Uh, but look, I think as the lads have pinpointed uh, if the best fullback in the country, me, I'm delighted this lad is getting the recognition he deserves. Owner, owner, down. I've been flagging this fella the last two or three years, and by God, what a fullback they have! Their two halfbacks, Chris Crummy and Shane Barrett, you won't get much much change off off of those two boys. You see, they were excellent. Don Garrow, Hegarty, and Tom Morrissey, and then they have the boys to come back. Then they've Colin Keeney to come back, Liam Rush to come back, Mark Shuey, Keno Callan. But they are missing that marquee player, as Frank uh, has alluded to, uh, pinpointed a few minutes ago. They are missing that marquee uh, forward. A marquee forward in regards a Galan, a Patrick Horgan, a Joe Cannon, a TJ Reeves, where you're guaranteed one cane coming off the field every game or, or 11, 12 points. I think they have a problem with, 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 their, with their free taker. I think Paul Ryan yesterday came on, he started hitting the freeze. He missed a couple of frees. Um, ju- during the game at, at, at crucial at crucial times uh, in that game yesterday but for me Dublin I wouldn't like to be playing them in the summer and I, if you're to ask me now would they be in the top three in Leinster I I, I, I would say that they, they will be but Limerick they're, look, they're, a, they're, they're a machine at the moment when, when they have to go into gear and win the game yesterday in that 10 minute spell when Tom Morrissey came on uh, they went into gear, and I think John Coyley, I think he's disappointed with the, how, how, it, how the last 10 minutes um, finished out. But going into next Sunday's game, 
Warford may have to use a sweeper at, at certain stages of that game. And I know people down in Warford mightn't like hearing the word sweeper, but uh, I think this Limerick um, model at the moment, I think, you know, when the, albeit they weren't great yesterday, but when they had to when they had to go and win that game in that 10, 15 minute spell in the second half, um, they really upped it and uh, they showed by their whether they're deserving all Ireland champions and, and, and they're the best team in the country at the present moment of time. Yeah, Michael, we'll move on to Waterford in just a minute, but just on Limerick, uh, you know, to, to win a first league since 1997 off the back of that All-Ireland would be a huge statement of intent and it would start building that aura that this young team is here to stay for, for you know, five, six, seven years. Yeah, there's definitely an aura there already and, like, just there's so much more concentration on them, there's so much more concentration on the way they're playing and how teams are going to try and stop kind of them implementing their plan. So it would reinforce the fact that just how good they are, I suppose, uh, there would be that kind of aura, that small little aura of invincibility, invincibility about them as well. Um, like there has been no sign of any hangover whatsoever. Um, and like usually it takes lads a couple of months to get into gear. Like Keen Lynch hurler the year, like is hurling great stuff. Like all their Angolan looks yeah, brilliant already as well. Like and they, they just they've they've just been able to keep the ball rolling. If they can win the league again, it would be a massive kind of statement from them, I suppose. But it's going to be Munster's going to be different. But it would just it would just kind of reinforce the fact to them that they're they're here to stay. Like and it's it's a massive game for Waterford as well. It was a massive incentive for both of the four teams to get to a league final and possibly win it now. And if Waterford can can take scalp, I suppose before the championship starts to be. Big kind of big deal for them as well. Yeah, because Frank, I guess Waterford going into the league, there was a bit of an expectation that it could be a transitional season for them after losing Derek McGrath. Already, they look very, uh, you know, well, well set on the Park Fanning. Oh, definitely. I mean, I I missed a fair chunk of the first half yesterday because we were down getting quotes from the first match, and and I when I came out from the tunnel, I think it was seven two to Galway at that stage, and Galway were playing into the wind, and I said, all right, this is going one way here. But, they, you know, they really worked their way into that game. And, um, OK, they were helped by a, you could, a lucky a lucky goal before half-time, dragged them fully back into it. But, you know, the more that second half went on, uh, the less certain Galway were about where they were going or how they were going to eke out scores. Um, now, th- I think there is a caveat in the sense that Galway had, was it maybe six of their All-Ireland team? And, and I think that was really exposed yesterday and it was doubly exposed when Joe Canning uh, had to be stretchered off that you just couldn't you couldn't see uh, how Galway were going to, you know, were going to sort of pull their way back into that game. But it's been a huge league for Waterford. I mean, their scoring rate has been phenomenal. Now, you have to take into fact that it, into consideration that it's in 1B and where you've got two tough matches and three not-so-tough matches. So, I mean, that has held things. But I'd say John is delighted with the... the the rate of progress. Well, I was I was going to say, John, when we had John at the start of the league, I, I don't think you were too confident of the campaign going as well as it has. You know, how impressed have you been with what Pork Fanning has done? Well, he's done an unbelievable job. Uh, and I suppose the transition between Derek and, and Pork has, has run so smoothly. But look, if you told Pork uh, back in December, you know, that you'd come out of Division 1B and that you'd find yourself in, 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 a, in a league final, a national final, that Waterford don't find themselves in, in too many National League finals over the period of our of, of our history. I mean, he would have taken the, the the hand off you, and I think it's 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 going terrific for him. I thought yesterday, albeit I don't think they were they were terrific. They probably played a bit below par. But you know what? Isn't it great to play below par, not being great on the day, 
and still grind out a grind out a victory. And I think that was the most pleasing aspect for me is that you know we've been down the road before where we've we've gone and played some terrific hurling and uh, come out the other side of of, of, a, of a defeat. But yesterday, I thought uh, Jamie Barron was outstanding. This young Callum Lyons was, was very good. Stephen O'Keefe, um, and then up front, I suppose. Uh, the other the other players had their, had their moments here and there, but it wasn't a complete performance compared to the previous week against Clare and probably the second half against against uh, Galway uh, two weeks previous. But uh, you know, when the game was there to be dug out, they went and dug it out, and that's the sign of of a good pro- good up and coming promising team. But from a Galway point of view, uh, Michal Dono, I think. Would be very, very disappointed how how, how his team capitulated in, in in that second half, and as the lad said, Teach Cannon and Carl Mannion out of that uh, out of that side. Just say Garrow McInerney was was excellent fullback in Park Mannion, and they looked below average. And you know when the two teams were named last Friday, I fully expected Waterford to to win this game for the simple reason I seen the personnel that we had, and I seen the personnel that Carvey had, and uh, I think. You know, it, it, it was it was it was it was an, an important win and a big win for Waterford. And I think the other problem for Galway that they have, I think they have a problem um, on goal. And I think they've got a really really sorry deal with the the goalkeeping um, problem from that they do have um, at the moment. Just on the the goalkeeping issue, like Callum Callum played the the Fenway Classic after they won the All Ireland, and then didn't play a competitive match for Galway for about eighteen months. So like James Skettle was in last year. And the, you just kind of always thought there could be a mistake there. And then in the All-Ireland final, there was a couple of kind of dodgy moments. Fergal Flannery had a bit of a nightmare down in, down in Wexford. And that one between the legs yesterday probably turned the game as well. So it's, it's a big thing to be coming into a championship. They have three goalies and probably don't know who they're starting with at the moment. Yeah, it's funny. We're, all, we're always focusing on like style of play and tactics. And it could be something as simple as nailing down that crucial position that we got kind of overlooked 100% yeah because like a goalkeeping mistake now is so crucial and without being smart the puck out strategy you, it's three goalkeepers offer offer three different styles Skettle's usually longer Flannery can usually deliver short puck outs now they went a bit awry yesterday Callanan can kind of do both but has been kind of riddled with injuries the last 18 months so it's a big question mark hanging over them as well as the, the canning question mark that's hanging over them now as well yeah, and just just to jump back slightly to, to Waterford, like you know, for for Porrick Fine to replace Derek McGrath, a manager who had such a you know definitive style of play and was so beloved by the players, it's very hard to step into those shoes when you're replacing such a big personality like that. And he's done it pretty seamlessly. It looks like. Yeah, I think there, there's two ways he probably could have went about it. He could have came in. I don't think this is his personality. He could have came in and completely ripped up everything that they'd done over the last couple of years. If he was an autocratic type of leader, and this is how we're going to do it. This is my way. We're going to do it this way. I think he's gone the other way and he's probably kept doing and stayed doing a lot of what they were doing under Derek and that's going to work an awful lot better. When you have... Derek McGrath had that much of a buy-in from the players and it was that much of a, a kind of a family atmosphere that if someone had come in and kind of gone against the grain completely, I don't think it would have worked. I think he has just kept things going with subtle little changes as well. He seems to be a personality that just kind of gets on with things as well and everybody, everything seems to be moving fairly seamlessly now but I think he's gone about it in, in a kind of a smart way. Frank, were you going to come in and go away there, sir? Yeah, well, see, definitely the goalkeeping issue has become one in the last two weeks. I mean, three of the three of the goals that conceded in the last two matches were effectively down to goalkeeping mistakes. But there's there's another issue with Farron at the pitch because over this league, Joe Canning has been playing as much as a uh, um, he, he's he's 
He's at times been playing as a sweeper as well. Like yeah. he's been coming back. He's, he's put in a huge uh, shift in several of those matches. He's been winning balls around midfield, even further back. His free taking has been brilliant. You know, but uh, Joe, it's, it's several years ago since he stopped being the talisman on the edge of the, uh, edge of the square. But they're missing several, several players there in that attack. And we're seeing now that, you know, that this uh, glut of Galway talent, you know, from 16 up, maybe isn't as good as we thought it was. I mean, we, we haven't seen Jonathan Glynn or Joseph Cooney this year. I'm not too sure well, if we're going to. see Joseph Cooney. Anyway. That seems to be, yeah. and I don't know what the, the latest scenario is with Jonathan Glynn. Connor Cooney obviously has been caught up at St. Thomas's, but they need him back, and they also need him back in form because he didn't have his best uh, championship last year. Nor did he have a good club final with, with Thomas no. either, yeah. So, you know, and especially if, if, Joe, Joe, if Joe's groin injury proves, you know, at the serious end of the scale, we're only seven weeks to the start of the Leinster Championship. You know, if he's struggling to be fully right at that stage, you're looking at that forward line and thinking, you know, who's going to carry them there? Uh, it doesn't look like they'd be able to get out of Leinster as easily either. Definitely no. not. There's, Leinster's far more of a minefield, I'd say, this year now. Like you could throw a blanket over the four of them, I'd say, at the moment, with Galway uh, maybe a bit ahead. But a bit ahead if they have their best 15 on the field and that's this big question marks over whether they will or not a bit ahead but trips to Nolan Park and to Parnell Park as well which yeah. you know they're, they're the two toughest away games you can have um, John just before we let you go I might get a league final prediction from you uh, I, I nail your colours to look, the mask John look Limerick Limerick are, are the farm team that they all are in champions um, it's, 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 it's the acid test for war for the weekend it's, it's great to be going up taking on the All-Ireland Champions the farm team in, in, in the country uh, at the moment I think Waterford are really going to have to up it from yesterday's performance to uh, to come to go and go and challenge this Limerick team I think Limerick you know probably weren't at their best yesterday and they, and they still won probably the scoreline probably was a, wasn't the true reflection on the game they, they, it was a bit kind to Dublin in the end I wouldn't rule out Waterford using a sweeper at certain stages of the game. I honestly do. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna have to go the same template as Dublin, clog out that middle third, maybe offer a bit of protection to uh, to our full back line, um, and see where see where it takes us. Try and stay in the game for as long as we can. Try and take this limit team down the home straight. Ask them the questions, and who, who knows? But look, Limerick are going to be favourites. Going to be. Uh, rage and hot favourites. Full power suits Waterford. It suits Limerick. Look, if that's me, look, Limerick are 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 are, are the farm team. It's you know you, you'd have to side with with, with with Limerick. But I just hope on the day that our, our lads can come with a massive performance, come with a plan, and if we can take them down the home stretch, who knows? We might be we might be picking up our forward national league title. Well, best of luck next weekend, John. Thanks so much for joining us. On the ball. Uh, Michael, time to turn our thoughts to football here on the throwing in association with Alliance. And before we get into, I guess, the league final pairings and the relegations, just a, a thought struck me yesterday, and I'm sure it struck most people watching, is just how good this structure would be writ large over a summer. You know, in the last few minutes of the games yesterday, Division 2 in the melting pot and the relegations only had Cork and Clare and Tip all swapping positions. It was the same in the promotion battles in other leagues with down slipping up. And it would just be magnificent if we could have this kind of excitement and drama every kick of a ball 
mattering in, in a really meaningful way in, in a summer. Maybe. Yeah, sure. It's probably the, the ideal template or the ideal structure to be following. That's exactly that's exactly what you probably want in a in a championship format. Realistically, every basically every score mattering, every game mattering, every game coming down to the last few minutes with so many different kind of permutations. Apart from Division Four, like you were literally waiting until the last ball was kicked in every division to know how, exactly what was going to happen. So it was brilliant. And we like, still don't know in Division Three. Yeah, <laughs> and like I was I was in Castle Bar yesterday. And like at halftime, Mayo were up by seven and Galway were up by five or six, I think. I, I'm not sure exactly. And that, that meant that Mayo weren't in the league final. And then you're covering the match in Castle Bar and you're listening to everything that's going on in Healy Park and the madness that happened there. And you just see, and it all opened up then for Mayo. But it was just great. It was great. Like that's, that's what everybody wants. You don't know who's going to win any game. You don't know who's going to finish top or who's going to finish bottom. And it's, that's the ideal structure realistically. Yeah, well, we might be waiting another few years for that to maybe come into being. We'll, we'll move on to the football action now, Frank. Obviously, Division 1 was, was the kind of the headline grabber. Kerry versus Mayo going head-to-head in the league final next weekend, which is a pretty mouth-watering clash. Um, who's it more important for, do you think, to, to get out on the right side of that result? Because obviously, Kerry won it in 2017 and didn't really kick on as expected. It's a completely new team now, so it would take on a, a different meaning. But out of the two teams there, who would be best served, do you think, with a, with a league win? Well, you, you could argue Mayo on the, on the basis that they haven't won a national title since 2001 won. Now the great irony is that they won the league then for the first time in a long time and that was the pre uh, the prelude to one of their worst ever championship campaigns. So you know you can't always take everything from well you know what happens at this time of year is going to follow into summer. The difference is that the league has become way more important uh, over the last five ten years compared to you know how important it was back in 2001 when uh, when Tomas was kind of you know still in his early days with, with, with Kerry and I'm sure he can remember several league campaigns where they were just potentially going through the motions, especially if it was coming after an All Ireland All Ireland win. Um, the funny, th- the funny way I look on this is that I don't think it's critical for either team to win the league because James Horn went in uh, with a clear agenda of road testing as many young players as possible, while mixing them with a hard core of you know a settled five or six or seven of you know his 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 uh, decorated veterans and long suffering veterans too, and you know there's been bumps along the way. Two matches ago, you wouldn't have seen this in a in a month of Sundays that Mayo would find their, their find themselves in a league final, given how they had performed against Dublin and their failure to close the deal with the wind against Galway. But they're there now, and it's. I won't say it's bonus territory, but, you know, it's a great opportunity to see if they can continue this form into Crow Park. Uh, Kerry, well, I mean, Peter Keane has been kind of telling us every week that, you know, this is all about, you know, getting getting his championship team together and just looking at players and he's not really that bothered. But from a long way out, it seemed that they were going to get to a league final and they're there now. And it'll be fascinating to see how the younger members of his crew who have established themselves this spring fare in Crow Park. Yeah, bringing Tommaso Shea in the line now. Yeah, Tommaso, it is funny to think about, I guess, how back maybe in your early days, the league wasn't quite as scrutinised as much as it is now, whereas seemingly every weekend we have, we're kind of jumping on new narratives and going from one uh, kind of extreme to the other. Yeah, I remember it was 2004 before the league ever got serious for us, and that was under Jack O'Connor, you know, and he saw the benefits of what a league could actually do for you, you know. It wasn't really about winning as such, but it was about getting and maximising as much you could out of players to get them right for championship. I think a lot of teams have different aspirations when they come to the league. I think James Horn, and it's very, very interesting the way yesterday, like he still needed that win to get to the final. Like if Fionn McDonough was rested, you know, and he's constantly be rotating throughout the league. And he came in with two aims, I presume, was, um, 
you know, to get extra new blood into it. You know, I think the the wheel came off for him against um, against uh, Dublin and against Galway. But looking at it, I think it has been a hugely successful league for them. You know, I think that their defence is as solid as ever. Uh, they have got a couple of forwards. In reality, will they start during championship? I'm not too sure. But like um, Frank said, their Kerry, I think, are in a, in a solid position as well. You know, look, I, I think when you look at the whole league as a, a stretch, people are saying that Dub- I don't think Dublin are anywhere near um, off the perch. I, I'd, um, I, I think they're still top of the pile by, by a shot. You know, there's no issue at all at all with Dublin. I don't look at any of the performances and say, whoa, they're in serious trouble. I don't look at it. But I do think that there have been gains made by Tyrone, by Kerry. Uh, Mayo, yeah, I, I would say, yes. I would say because of the fact that they have they've brought in a couple of younger players and this idea that the older lads, I think Aidan O'Shea is after putting down a great league, to be quite honest with you. Like, and I still think there's a kick in them, no matter how old or how long they're on the road. But I think with Kerry, you're looking at... Um, I think the key thing with Kerry, I suppose, is I think they're, they're way, way tighter than they were. But as well as the young lads coming through, there's lads that were around the place, the Jack Sherwoods of this world, who hasn't put a foot wrong in the league, have come in. They're about six or seven fellas actually added on this year that are performing. Uh, they're playing to a right good structure. They're, they're ravenous in every game. The Mayo game was a, a blip, which I think was, in, in the long term, they'll learn more from that than they will from the games that they've won. But um, I think it's really interesting coming into championship and to be Tomas, right there, you know. Tomas, I, I saw you on League Sunday last night, I guess you were referring to Aidan O'Rourke's column last week, which was, a, you know, very scathing considering the Kerry had been fairly stingy in their first couple of games and, you know, they were maybe a bit more open against Mayo, but I felt like you really wanted to have a cut off but you kind of reined yourself in, so you, you feel free to do so now. <laughs> no, I didn't want to have a cut off it. Um, no, I actually enjoy reading, Aidan, but I, I saw something written earlier on the league and, it was something, and it was something that I threw at Kerry last year. I looked at the last game, the last game against Kildare in the Super 8s, and I was over in Clarny up in the terrace watching it, and in the first half, until that sending off for Kildare, Kildare down a man in the second half, and Kerry got, got to grips with it, got a couple of goals, got a couple of scores, and it, it, it killed Kildare off. But Kildare were right in that. And in that first half, Kildare absolutely ran through us. Now, uh, don't get me wrong, Aidan O'Rourke had a good point in what he was saying. And I, I think on the night, what I felt was that that article was written based on Mayo. And I think against Mayo, you know, you could argue, and if you're arguing for Kerry, I see where he's coming from. You could argue from Kerry. There was 11 scores. Both teams scored 11 times, right? No, the goal obviously uh, swung it for Mayo. It wasn't a good performance by Kerry by no means. I think the sluggish 20 minutes at the start really killed them. Mayo tagged on three or four scores in that win when Kerry were asleep, in my mind. They woke up, they got to grips with it, and they gave a good second half display. But, yes, it was their poorest performance to date. But to say that they were absolutely, um, you know, a, a lot, that they, they, they don't have a structure, they don't have a defensive plan, I think it's the one area where Peter Keane has, like, for the first two games against Tyrone and against Cavan, everybody was saying how defensive they've gone. I don't think they are that defensive in terms of setting bodies back and setting sweepers back. But by God, you can see definitely a raised tempo in the pressure that the forwards are expected to work and work back. Now, I, I think it was 6-18. 6-18 is a serious difference in, in, in terms of scores that have been scored against you this year. 
And I just feel, you know, my point was, it wasn't, I was, wasn't trying to get personal. But she says, you can't say that they're not making improvements defensively and that they're defensively not solid or they're not focusing on defence when they obviously are. And uh, like, I've been to four of their games and that's the one thing that's jumped out at me. The likes of Dara and Gavin O'Brien and the wings, they are working so hard. Shawnee Shea, probably one of the best tacklers in the game. Have they more work to do? Yes. Are there issues there? Of course there are. They aren't perfect. Look at what happened against uh, Dublin. I've said it before myself here with you guys that there are issues at the back. They can leak scores. But is there an improvement on last year? Certainly. I think there is. Definitely. Are there world beaters? By no means. Yeah, but th- there's definitely an improvement there. Yeah, Tomás, the one time I've seen Kerry in the flesh as opposed to watching them on, back on TV was the Dublin game in Tralee. And you could put question marks at the concession of the two goals and, and you know, maybe that they were cut open a little bit too easily there. But you've got to remember, A, the, the, the quality of opposition we're facing in Cormac Costello and Conor Callan. But that night, their tackling was, it was, I wouldn't say frenzied, it was control, it was controlled and manic at the same time. There was a huge difference. And uh, I thought the yeah. work ethic and what Kerry were delivering out the field that night compared to, you know, bits of that we've been seeing in the latter days under, under Eamon. Mm. Uh, well, I think, like, Mayo gave Kerry a lesson that night. And uh, look, lads, he could not get out of defence. Mayo pressed up. Yes, it was a horrible night. And I suppose that's something you have to allow for as well that you don't see on TV was the actual conditions coming out against that gale was very, very difficult. But at the same time, they will have learned, hey, Mayo hemmed you in and you could not get out. Now, Mayo learned, and, and I suppose the emphasis on tackling came from a Donny Buckley era, driven by Donny Buckley. Donny Buckley is now with Kerry, but they're only in the gap three or four months. And in that period, that's how long they've had them. They have other players to arrive on the scene. And it, it's not that I'm saying Kerry are going to win or Kerry are going to win in All-Ireland or Kerry going to rattle. But I see improvement, and that's what you're looking for. I see improvement in that area of Kerry's play. And that's just the point. And I, you know, look, I wasn't trying to make a personal thing out of it at all, at all. And um, I probably, I, I called it lazy. But I, the reason I called it lazy was I felt it was based on one game and on that Mayo game. And based on that game, you could say the very same about Dublin against um, Monaghan. You could say the very same about Dublin. You could pick holes in Dublin's performance against Kerry and Tyrone. And then you could um, subjectively just conjure up an argument and prove it and back it up with points from those three games that would show Dublin are in serious trouble. Are they in serious trouble? No. But the narrative, whatever way the narrative's thrown out, and I just didn't agree with that, you know? Yeah, Michael, you're obviously in Castle Bar, so, so what about Mayo? They've recovered really well after disappointing defeats to Dublin and uh, to Galway, when again, I guess, the narrative was that, oh, this has been a disastrous league, but to go to Kerry and win well, to hold off that Monaghan fight back with Jack McCann playing so well, and, you know, missing some senior guys or re- arresting some senior guys like Lee Keegan, I don't think, took part, or Colin Boyle, and the forward line had a cut of sprinkling of youth there as well. Yeah, there was... Um like yesterday was kind of a funny one in the sense that there was probably a fair degree of luck to like they shouldn't have been seven up at half time. Monaghan were were far better than than been seven down. Monaghan probably. Uh, Tomas, I know Tomas disagreed last night. I thought the sending off was a, was a bit harsh. I thought Conor McManus should have had a penalty in in the first half as well. So, but just from the Mayo side of things, 
some of the scores that they were getting from outside the areas, on un- maybe unusual areas to see some of those lads shooting from, maybe Fergal Bowling and a few more. Some of those scores were, were top class. It looks like it's something that they've developed. They didn't go down the middle as much yesterday as, you'd no- as you would normally see. Much like, I don't know if you saw that, that graph, it was on Twitter of, of Corrafin's scores in, in the club final where they basically avoided the centre. That seems to be what a lot of teams are doing now, avoiding the congestion and going down the wings. A lot of the Mayo, sk- Mayo scores yesterday came from down the wings as well. They're trying to develop a few more I suppose scoring forwards Kevin McLaughlin who we'd normally see as a, a hard working wing forward was in the full forward line and very dangerous maybe got five possessions and scored 2-2 and the fifth possession was, was saved by Rory Began and ended up in the back of the net as an own goal so he is James Horn has definitely tried to develop more scoring forwards and I would agree with Tomas whether some of the lads will be there come championship time is another story but he's definitely developed an awful lot more options we know what they're like at the back they were a bit porous now yesterday but that was more to do with Jack McCarron and, and Conor McManus's brilliance but it's up top where they need to develop and there's signs that they are developing uh, and what about Monaghan because obviously they got that really impressive win over Dublin the first day out but it only won one of their subsequent six games and um, barely avoided relegation I think people were expecting them to kick on from that win you know I remember Stephen O'Hannon had a such an impressive game that day against Dublin hasn't really you know fl- you know hasn't really done the same thing since. Like, what's your take on them overall? Yeah, we kind of paused that to, to Malik O'Rourke after he was he was disappointed. He he, he did he said it, it wasn't an unbelievable performance against Dublin, but he ex- did expect them to kick on. They haven't haven't really kicked on yet. They've been very competitive. Could have easily got a result out of that game yesterday. Maybe Barron to send them off and Barron a very very unlucky third goal that they conceded. Like they were, they were probably missing. They were missing a few bodies yesterday. They've put in a few new players. The likes of Stephen O'Hanlon, seen a bit more. Neil McAdam, Barry Kerr, and a few more. Um, they have been missing a couple of bodies as well. They're it's kind of it's same old Monaghan really. Like they're they're very very competitive and extracting nearly as much as they can out of what they have. Jack McCarron was unbelievable yesterday. Um, he kicked five first half points. Um, I think they, they were nearly all kind of a, a loop around kind of job back out into the left. He kicked a lovely after a lovely point off the right in the second half. If he's a, if they're able to keep him fit and he's able to still be bouncing off the ground come summer, it just gives another option with McManus there. McManus is brilliant yesterday. Uh, Manicky O'Rourke kind of not too happy about maybe the treatment that he's getting. Feels he has to get an awful lot more. Uh, abuse to get free maybe yeah very interesting comments I was reading your piece well, it, earlier it's a, it's a fair point it looked like he had a penalty in the first half I thought he fouled himself before that in the build up but it definitely looked like he was fouled that kind of happens with, with a lot of marquee forwards they have to get more Aidan O'Shea's always had to get more treatment seemingly to get free as well but Monaghan are still bang there the sending off of Fintan Kelly is a big one they'll, they'll want to have him off for the for the Cavan game in the quarter final they have to go to Cavan as well so but Monaghan are still going to be banged there. Very, very competitive as, as normal. Yeah, I just think uh, taken out of the, from that game, looking forward to next Sunday, uh, I, I'm fascinated to see how Aidan O'Shea performs in midfield in Crow Park because uh, like he was absolutely brilliant in the second half against Kerry and Tralee. I mean, he dragged them to victory that day. Um, and over the last few matches, his partnership with Matthew Wan definitely seems to have developed. Uh, Matthew provides probably more legs than Aiden. Aiden is a brilliant runner with the ball, but the big question mark always has been when he played midfield, and maybe especially alongside his brother Shamey, Dublin at the really high level, Dublin exposed a kind of a lack of mobility and athleticism, you know, at the really high end of the, le- uh, at, the at the elite level. But like O'Shea has been really, really That's good sad, this league. Uh, his, his work rate has been phenomenal. His passing has been very good. 
We've even seen him, you know, kicking a few points off his left foot as well, which is something he used to in his underage days and we haven't seen really that much for a long time. But, but the big question is, Mark, is if and when Mayo get back to the Super 8s and beyond this summer, and is it going to be Aidan O'Shea midfield? And is he going to be able to keep flourishing there in that position? Or are Mayo might have to revert to moving him back to number 11, maybe dipping in and out of full forward, which he hasn't been doing at all for the last few years. But, you know, uh, linked with that is probably the development of Fergal Boland. Fergal Boland had a very good league two years ago and then he kind of, his form faded and he faded off the team and nearly off the subs bench as well. He's been very good the last game and a bit. Uh, Fionn McDonough is probably the most intriguing of the young guys uh, in attack that line. we've seen so he far. He breaks the line, which is so important for them. Yeah, and he, he, he seems to have a very good skill set as well. I mean, he, he chip-lifted the ball a couple of times in, in those horrible conditions in Tralee. But, you know, he had a very bad game against Gaul as well. And he's young. You just can't be sure how they're going to develop. Mm. And maybe Kevin McLaughlin is going to be used more as an inside forward as well because he's always been a good goal scorer. Uh, like, he took his two goals really well yesterday. Mm. No, it's set up really intriguingly for Sunday, Tomas. You might just get a, a prediction from him before we let you go. Um, you know, I, I was looking at the, the way... I don't know, people are seeing Kerry are our favourites. Um, I'm, I'm not too sure about that, to be quite honest with you, and that's not being cute. I would uh, possibly look at Mayo and see they have no fear of playing a Kerry team. You know, they have beaten them and got one over them in the last couple of years, and they seem to rise their game for it. Um, I think it was said at the outset, I think it would be a bonus to either team. I don't think it would be the end of the world for them or it won't be. It won't make their season, but I think it would certainly would be a bonus to bring, have a bit of silverware. I think it would. The big thing for James Horn, I think he wants to crack the dominance of Galway above and Connacht. I think that's vital for him. Yes, silverware is very, very important. And if they win Sunday, that will give them extra confidence no matter what. You know, I think this Kerry team uh, are on an upward curve. I, I think the one thing, I suppose, they're, they're playing without fear. They don't, like I, I saw Gavin O'Brien right in front of me down in the terrace inside in Tralee. He jumped over James McCarthy's head. He caught a ball. And I said, whoa. Not only that, he came down onto the ground and then he took him on. Took him on and bait him for, for pace as well. And I said, Jesus, you know, that is something like, you, you compare, Galway went up to Crow Park and they played Dublin. And it seemed like, geez, they, they, they were, there was something holding them back. They didn't feel or, or, or think that they could actually put it up to them and they kind of just failed. Whereas Kerry here now, I think this is a right good test for them. I think at the start of the year, nobody would have foreseen Kerry coming to a, a National League final. But the fact that they're there is is outstanding. Clifford came back again yesterday and he'll be chomping at the bit to get up there and get a, a, a win. And, you know, whoever wins, lads, it doesn't matter whoever wins. I think, I think Kerry have enough to win, but I think Kerry will have to put in a huge display. I would probably... Jeez, I think he's a very hard one to call. I think if, if Kerry... It's, a, it's the ideal situation, if you're Peter Keane, to write what happened inside in Tralee, not in terms of just beating Mayo, but actually proving to yourself, right, Mayo hemmed us in. They are the team that actually did that to us. And right now you're getting an opportunity to say, can we actually, can we actually outfight Mayo, uh, outrun them? Uh, can they actually... Um, can we actually do to them what they did to us in Tralee? You're going to have a way better pitch, you're going to have a bigger pitch, you're going to have a wider pitch. And I, I think that Kerry will have enough, uh, just about. But I think it's going to be a cracker of a game. I think it's going to be an open game. I don't think it's going to be as low scoring as Tralee. Um, I agree. 
with Frank there about Aidan O'Shea, I think he's been colossal for, for Mayo this season. McLaughlin and himself and Jason Doherty, for me, have really, really led the lines. And, you know, I, I think everybody says, where does Aidan O'Shea play? Jeez, right now, for me, Aidan O'Shea is minding Matty Ryan at midfield and he is bossing a game. But I'd love to see him, what he did there. He came up to the 45-yard line, bang, straight over the bar. He's capable of doing that in every game. Like, you know, sometimes he sits back and he minds the house and he lets Ryan go. And that's an area where Kerry were well beaten the last day. Kerry have had three partners alongside Jack Barry so far this year in the league. David Moore is obviously long-term missing at the moment. Will he be back? I'm not too sure. But if Kerry can get to grips at midfield, I can see Kerry winning, winning that game. Well, best of luck next weekend, Tomas. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Well, as we'll finish off with a whistle-stop tour of the other divisions, Michael, Division 2, me finally get promotion back to Division 1 after I t- 2006, I think, was the last time they were up there. So it was a great day for them. Yeah, massive. I think there's going to be five five Leinster counties uh, looking like in between Division 2 and Division 1, which is a big uh, big progress on what people were saying over the last couple of years and how Leinster teams were struggling. Uh, gr- great stuff for me. They'd probably been knocking on the door for the last good while and getting over the line now. I think it's, it's nearly more interesting to look at and who's going down and maybe the struggles of others like like Cork going back to the third tier is just a, d- a disaster even despite like, winning it'll be Arman 10 years on from winning the league and winning the All-Ireland and it'll be in Division 3 yeah, it's pretty it's, crazy it's a bizarre kind of a fall like Emmett Bolton was talking over the weekend about, about Kildare as well and how he doesn't believe that they're coached to the appropriate level and then they go up to Donegal and get an absolute paste in yesterday like a really probably a disappointing league from from their respect as well and going into the championship now with a with a lot of questions probably hanging over them and minus Daniel Flynn as well so yeah there's a lot of interesting stories tip going down as well they've been close nearly to getting up to division one in recent years as well but yeah Cork and Cork and tip going down and, and Kildare's probably misfiring is probably the, one of the biggest stories from two it's a yeah Frank what did you make of those comments from about that they're not coached to the standard required that they're maybe in in those kind of closing moments of games they're not equipped to, to, to you know, do what's necessary to see them out uh, interesting and very it's pointed damning enough I mean I, I'm always not so suspicious but you know when a player has been involved in setup and then he is left and you don't know the full backstory you know what kind of relationship he had with the management team and all that but uh, I just think like at the start of this year's league you'd have looked at Division 2 and said who's going to get promoted you would have said Donegal and probably Kildare. Now, as it turned out, Donegal were missing their several of their, their main players for the first half of the league and, you know, were struggling initially, but got there. And, and they're well set up for the Ulster Championship now. Uh, Kildare, I think it's just been getting kind of nearly worse and worse as it went along. I mean, even the victory they had the week before uh, against Tipperary, the, uh, the comments from Keen O'Neill afterwards where he was more or less saying like you know he was he was really deeply annoyed by the performance very and how player, they almost player centric stuff wasn't and how it, they yeah. almost kind of you know that they were in total control of a game and how did they nearly not you know not win it and I said that doesn't look great now uh, and then a week later they go up to Ballyshannon still with a, an outside chance of of getting promotion and they get tanked by 13 points or something they were 13-1 yeah. down at one stage and, and just based on the even the snippets of highlights there on, on League Sunday last night they got a couple of black cards and there was the second one was just was ridiculous. A player was obviously on a yellow card and he pulls the guy down and you said, you know, they're they're really bad signs for a team going into championship. It almost harks back to where Kildare seemed to be after losing to Carlo uh, last June and people were saying, what's going to happen here? You know, how long of a future uh, does this team have in the championship? How long of a future does the management team have? Um, and, and 
they recovered. And now they're facing, I won't say it's a stark uh, recovery mission, but it's a pretty big one all the same. And what about Cork's decline? Yeah, the irony is they actually finished the league a bit better. You know, they, their form definitely picked up in the last few matches, but they... Uh, Didn't pick the, up any points at home. That's that's terrible, like, you know. Um, obviously, they were denied the, the <laughs> salubrious comforts of Parky Keefe as well. But, I mean, that's no excuse. I mean, it's... Uh, you mentioned there it's 10 years since they won the league and won the All-Ireland. It's, it's only... Well, it's actually only seven years since they won their last league title now because they won three leagues in a row right, between 2010 2012. Uh, they lost the league final, I think, a year or two after that in the league semi-final to Dublin, which they should have won. Um, do you know, so their decline has been really dramatic. And when you factor in their two performances uh, against Kerry and uh, Tyrone in last year's championship, losing by a cumulative 33 points, I think it was, or maybe it's 31, I can't quite remember. 31, 16, 15, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah. that's how far they've fallen. And you would think they, they would have probably needed just try to survive this year and take them a bit further on, try to sort of solidify in the championship and then have a push of promotion next year. Instead, they're down in Division 3. Mm. I mean, you know, you know, it's happened in big counties before. Meath were there six years ago in Division 3. They escaped after a year. Cork will have to do that. Yeah, and just moving on to Division 3 now, Michael, I guess, I don't, do you want to start with your own county, the great escape, and then get a fisted point, like three minutes into injury time, we have preserved Offaly's Division 3 status? Yeah, it was a mad, it was a mad league campaign for Offaly, because they, they could have easily beaten Westmead, um, there was a, a drawn game earlier in the year as well, that they could have won as well, they could have easily been in for promotion, but at least when push came to shove yesterday, they were able to just find something to get over the line. Because like just with even with Nigel Dunn leaving the panel as well, the last thing you want is demotion to Division Four, and they're going into the summer with a cloud hanging over your head. At least there's some bit of positivity going around. By all accounts, they've been playing very well. All games have been really, really competitive. There's probably been no more than a score or two apart from the down game in any of the results. So yeah, no happy, happy, happy with that. Now on the counterpoint, Sligo have been uh, abysmal. Like I say, yesterday was Lost probably every game. yeah, yesterday was probably their their best performance. But at the other end of the scale then like that was probably Division 1 was interesting and 2 were interesting but Division 3 was probably the most interesting of them all like you literally didn't know and we still we still don't we <laughs> yeah. still don't know who's going to be in the final as well just it, it is I have to say it, it is an, uh, it is annoying and has to be annoying for the clubs involved with it's, it's Westmead and Loud is it they're playing this weekend like they're, that's going into their club month now and the final is going to go into the club month as well. So, like, that's a bit of a disaster for all concerned there. And surely there should be some, like, some sort of plan or contingency put in place to make sure that their that time is not encroaching because the club month is quickly becoming a county slash club month in some counties. You know, very frustrating. But uh, for Leash, I think they're one of the success stories of the last few years under John Sugar. Like, they had a good promotion last year. You know, they they were quite competitive for long periods against Dublin uh, as well in that Leinster final. Another promotion now. Are they maybe a dark horse? Obviously not maybe to, to make any huge inroads, but a, a couple of good wins in the championship maybe? Well, Lee should be a Division 2 team, I think. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they have the tradition. Uh, they've been there. They've been in Division 1 not so long ago as well. I mean, uh, how they ended up in Division 4, I'm sure there's some, some local GA historians will write a book <laughs> on that. But uh, they're back where they should be. Uh, and like, it's been a good league for several Leinster counties who were in danger of kind of almost falling off the face of the earth uh, leash a couple of years ago they're, they're on the upward curve again but Westmead and Loud had pretty dismal years last year Westmead especially in the championship given where they had been uh, punching before that uh, it was hard to see where Loud were going but 
they are now going into a belated last day, knowing that whoever wins, uh, you know, is going up to Division Two. Um, yeah, it's funny. I, I think a lot of people just presumed Down were going to win because they'd almost discounted Loud's promotion chances, and all of a sudden now Loud they're back. To in be fair, everyone had probably discounted Loud before before the league started, and even after they got a bit of a tanking. I think in the first game, didn't they? I think that it's heavy enough defeat the first day, and now they've just they've just turned it around to go up to to up to down and dominate by all accounts. I know the scoreline mightn't suggest it, but they did dominate it and it was ten scores to seven and a late kind of down goal. So yeah, massive uh, credit to to Wayne Kieran's there. In fairness, like. They're in a great shout now, and if they were back up in Division 2, like, it'd be serious progress for them, considering they were starting from what looked like a, a pretty low ebb at the start of the year. Well, a great weekend of action, and another great weekend to look forward to with the league finals. Michael Frank, thanks so much for joining me. Thank Cheers, Will. That's all we have time for on the throne this week in association with Alliance. Don't forget, we have that live show at the Croke Park Hotel this Friday, and we'll also be back next Monday for a show reviewing all the league finals. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until Friday, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues.